As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff. Welcome to Strictly Business. Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, co-editor-in-chief of Variety. Today, my guest is ESPN chairman Jimmy Patero. As head coach of the worldwide leader, Patero lives at the intersection of media, entertainment, and technology as much as any executive in the global television business. Sports drive so much of the pay TV sector that is so central to Hollywood earnings. And like everything else, sports on TV is going through quite a transformation. Patero was kind enough to spend the morning after this year's ESPY Awards with Variety in Beverly Hills. He was a featured speaker at our invitation-only sports and entertainment breakfast presented by City National Bank. I'd never interviewed Patero before. I was impressed. He spoke with real confidence without much advanced preparation at all. He wasn't afraid to say that he can't predict the future. We talk about ESPN and its runway as a linear platform. We talked about the upcoming NBA TV rights negotiations. And we got into how ESPN is adjusting to a world of younger sports fans who follow individual players more than they follow teams. He was game to engage, and that made for a lively conversation. That's all coming up after the break. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. 
check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, everyone. This is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Here's a clip from an upcoming episode featuring the weekly home checks, Keyshawn Lane, that you won't want to miss a common mistake that a lot of people do. They use fabric softener when it's not so great for your clothes. Should we never be using fabric softener? No, you should not ever be using fabric softener. It leaves a deposit on our clothes, which is also left in the machine. And it also makes the clothes highly flammable. Wait, what? (laughs) Yes. What you want to do instead is just use a quarter cup of vinegar. And that'll make them softer? That'll make them softer. And if you wanted some kind of scent, you can use essential oils. Wow, wow, wow. Catch new episodes of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult every other Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. And we're back with the conversation with ESPN Chief Jimmy Patero. First off, thank you for inviting me uh, here today. It's great. Uh, this is a really busy week for us. We, uh, we started off on Sunday with an event tied to uh, The Captain, which is a docu-series we're doing on Derek Jeter uh, that actually premiered episode one on Monday night. Uh, Then Monday night we had the Home Run Derby. Tuesday night we had our coverage of the All-Star Game. And then, yes, last night we had uh, the ESPYs. And it was was fantastic. If you haven't had a chance to see it, you really should. There were some really special moments. And we talk a lot about the power of sports, mm-hmm. uh, and I think you saw that on display, <clears throat> excuse me, last night with um, some really emotional moments, some powerful speeches, uh, kind of striking the balance between celebrating athletes and teams, but also recognizing what's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, th- I think our, 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 our producing team did a really nice job. They, they did, as did Steph Curry, your host. He, he was fantastic. Uh, he did not seem nervous at all. I was with him right before the event, and he was as calm as can be. Uh, and, yeah, I thought he did a fantastic opening, and I thought he really kept it going. And I did appreciate the call-out to Title IX and the gains that women athletes have made because that, that, that does, <clears throat> excuse me, feels very historic and very groundbreaking and, Im- and important, important for the entire industry as, yeah. as pay equity is in other sectors. But, but sports is such a high-profile place where you can right. see it. Right. And, and so Rich just, just commented on uh, the momentum behind women's sports. And we, we could spend this entire time just talking about that. But what I will say is for the month of June, we really dedicated ourselves to uh, celebrating the 50th anniversary of the passing of Title IX. Mm-hmm. And so we launched a, a, a product, uh, a campaign that we called um, 50-50. Uh, it was kind of a nod to 30 for 30. Uh, where we created a bunch of stories. The initial, the initial spirit was let's create 50 stories to celebrate sure. the passing of Title uh, IX on its 50th anniversary, but it extended well beyond 50 stories. We had 
long-form films, we had docu-series, we had short-form content, and it was really just celebrating women's sports, and, and we take a lot of pride in that. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's meaningful to have it be that part of, that big of a part of an event like the ESPYs. Yes. Let's talk about, so we have been, this event is talking about the intersection of sports and entertainment. Sports is definitely entertainment these days, but sports at its heart is also is sports. It's games, yeah. it's competition, it, right. it's athletic excellence. How, as you program the ESPN metaverse these yep. days on linear, on podcasts, on so many different platforms, streaming, how do you balance the need for entertainment, for storytelling, for that entertainment factor with the core audience that wants to see balls being hit, balls yep. being thrown, that, that wants that game aspect? How do you, how do you balance those two things? Some of the best drama on television is taking place, at least in my opinion, within stadiums and within arenas. And it's our job to capture that, to cover it, uh, to really um, uh, present it to, to, to hardcore and also to casual sports fans in an exemplary fashion. And so that is live events, of course. Uh, but it's also our original films, and as I said before, our docu-series, our short-form video. On the live event side, we uh, continuously challenge ourselves to not be satisfied, to innovate. I think one of the best examples that you're seeing play out right now, real-time, is our partnership with Major League Baseball and the MLB players, where we're putting mics on players. And we, we have a long history of putting mics on players, in the spirit of, of getting access to players, presenting um, access to our fans. Uh, but what we're doing this year uh, is presenting uh, that, that experience live. So we actually have players uh, having two-way conversations with the folks in our booth live during games, which, of course, I'm sure you're all thinking that that's risky. If a, if a player is speaking with our booth and a ground ball is hit to the first baseman and he makes an error... right. That wouldn't be a great look for him or for us. Uh, so so we're, we're, we recognize that, but my job is to weigh the pros and cons of this. And look, I have two teenagers at home. I think one of our top priorities at ESPN are in the sports industry is appealing to a younger demographic. Mm -hmm. And so when I pressure test this with my kids at home, if they're watching a nine-inning baseball game, they're multitasking. But when they, have a, when, when they see a mic on a player or they hear a mic on a player and they're getting that access... They're all in. Like, they will stop, put their phones down, and they are completely invested in those couple of innings where we're presenting that access. So, again, the macro point that I'm making is just innovation, and, and we take a lot of pride in that in terms of, in terms of advancing mm -hmm. sports in general. I, <clears throat> I'm wondering if you have also invested in delay technology <laughs> because well, of so, the candid comments that might fly in. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, look, that, that is, in, in all honesty, that is how it started. So we would put mics on players, and then we would have guys uh, in, in trucks, uh, not just from ESPN, but from the league, that would look at everything, and then we'd get the green light on what to air later in the broadcast. That's not what's, what we're still doing some of that, but the MLB example that I just gave to you, it is live. So, and, and, and again... As a result, it's much more authentic. Obviously, the audience knows it's live, and, and they're interested to hear what these, what these players are authentically going to say. It is bringing, again, it's the power of like bringing us even further into the game than we could have even conceived of. 
You know. Yeah, and so that, that is the challenge, uh, not just for ESPN again, but for the sports industry. How do, we, how do we continue to make these games, make these athletes more interesting? You know, one of the pieces of research that we've seen, and it's almost cliche to say, I'm sure many of you have heard this, but the younger generation, especially today, is more invested in players than they are in teams. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a, when I was a kid, I, I, I was a Yankee. I'm, I still am Yankees, Giants, Knicks, Rangers. Yeah, my kids are more fans of the players. And so, okay, got it. We have to be providing more access to these players. And by the way, Mike's on players is just one example. Mm-hmm. There's a long list. Do you think that that is um, <clears throat> a result maybe of the, the prevalence of fantasy sports? People are Part so used to picking their... It's a great you know, point. Mm-hmm. I actually hadn't thought about that, uh, that dynamic, but it's a great point. I'd say without a doubt the answer is yes, because fantasy sports uh, is up and to the right, continues to grow... Right. Year over year. It encourages you to look at the, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it is, that's a great segue to another question for you. you. You know, ESPN has so many platforms, linear, streaming, but I know that you all are very creative. You all, social media is such a platform yeah. for you. The way you talk to your fans, the way you, the, the way you talk to your viewers, the way you talk to fans, uh, just on, on so many levels. Talk about how, I mean, social media truly is, ESPN seems to be one of those companies that really gets that social media is not, you just don't take content and put it on social media. You craft content for social media. How, how, is, how are you integrating that into your business? Well, thank you for recognizing that. Uh, you're 100% right. We have a dedicated social media team, and they don't just take a sports center clip and throw it up on social. We actually have dedicated sports center programming mm-hmm. for, for example, Snap. Mm-hmm. You uh, have, as of last night, <clears throat> excuse me, as of last night, you have 24.8 million followers on TikTok. TikTok. So, by the way, we are the number three brand, not sports brand, but number three brand on TikTok. We're, of course, the number one sports media brand on, on TikTok. But in, in, in general, the, the, the prioritization of social media uh, has been an important conversation at ESPN and, and at the Walt Disney Company. So there are some folks who believe that we should invest all of our resources in our owned and operated properties, like ESPN.com, our ESPN app, ESPN Plus. I'm not one of them. Uh, and fortunately, I get to make this decision. But we, we decided many years Memo ago... Memo to Bob Chapek. <laughs> we, and by the way, Bob is completely aligned with me on this. Uh, we made this decision many years ago that we would invest resources, invest people, talent in, in social media. And so the idea is let's create a rising tide. The idea is we have to be open. We can't be naive here and expect that all people, especially younger people, are going to just come to ESPN.com or to our app. We need to be, we serve the sports fan anytime, anywhere. That's our mission. And so the anywhere component is important. We need to be on Instagram. We need to be on TikTok. We need to be on Snap. And, and we are. And so, look, I, I actually spend a lot of time on, on social platforms. My kids do, and, 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 and I do as well. We, we oftentimes do it together. And I will tell you, as I'm scrolling through, I often test, and I don't look at where the content is coming from. I'll watch the sports content, and I can tell what's coming from ESPN and what is not in the sports category. And what is coming from ESPN is, is, is content that has substance, but it also has heart and or some humor. 
And that is ESPN at its best. I mean, growing up watching SportsCenter, substance, heart, humor. When, you, when, when we nail all three of those, we're getting it right. And that's, that's what I remember about watching, you know, Dan Patrick on SportsCenter with Keith Oberman. They were funny. They delivered the sports news, but they were funny. They had personality. They had character. If you look at what we're doing on social, it's, it's all of that, but, but mostly loaded with heart. Mm-hmm. And, and so for me, that's a brand deposit. For me, that, and last thing I'd say, because I'm sure you probably have to move on here, but I'm passionate about this topic, <laughs> is what, what, what I've heard, what I've seen from our research, and what I've heard anecdotally from our employees, from friends, from family, when I'm speaking at conferences and folks come up to me afterwards, what I've heard is, hey, I was introduced to ESPN on Instagram, mm. and now I'm watching ESPN on television. And so for that, like, okay, it's working. Like, that is the strategy. That's we have to expanding your reach beyond Correct. the people that are, are going to come to you for a game or going to come to you for sports center. Correct. Mm-hmm. That's, um, do you, do you, now this is a very old school question, but do you actually, does social drive tune in? Do you, can you, can you deploy it in a way if you lay the seeds, can you drive people to, you know, not the ESPYs cause that's a big yeah. event, but like a documentary or something. So can, can you track it? Like a couple of things. First off, we do not look at social media as marketing. A lot of people get confused. We are not on social media to market another product on live television. We are on social media to provide a compelling sports consumption experience. However, we have done the research, and so this isn't just speculation or our hope on my part. We've seen it from the data. When people are engaged with our content, with our brands on social media, they are much more likely to consume our content on our owned and operated platforms, including linear television. Mm-hmm. But I, it's, we appreciate, because everybody in this room is dealing with the impact <clears throat> of social media in some form or another. Yeah. Okay, I could, cannot let you off the stage without talking about the Mannings Alternacast. That was the hit of last year's football season, with apologies to Tampa Bay, but that was the hit of <laughs> last year's football season Tell me, how did that come about? And tell me, when did you know you had something? Was it three minutes in, five minutes in? Because it was, as a, as a recently converted football fan, as I said earlier, it was so fun. Such a fun way to watch the games. So I, I spent many years uh, recruiting Peyton. Uh, but recruiting Peyton for our primary booth. And for a variety of reasons, we just never quite got there. Pandemic hit. Uh, Peyton and Eli saw what we were doing. Uh, this was mentioned before uh, by Rich but, and by you, but we were pretty scrappy in terms of our production, our innovation, covering games from home virtually. The, the NFL draft is a, is a great example, but also... Roger's basement. <laughs> Roger's basement, but also acquiring rights like Korean baseball, where we had broadcasters calling games from their basements. <clears throat> and so... Folks saw that we could do this, right? You could actually do a broadcast remotely. And, and so that kind of spawned a conversation between me and Peyton where we said, okay, maybe, maybe we've been thinking about this all wrong. Like, let, let's, let's, let's shake it up. And then long story short, Peyton came back and said, I'd like to do this with my brother. I'm a Giants fan. So that, was, that wasn't a tough conversation. And, of course, I've, I'd seen their dynamic. They had actually done a This Is Sports Center commercial for ESPN that was off the charts great. Right. Just from that commercial, you could see the chemistry between the two of them. 
And so, yes, we absolutely caught lightning in a bottle. That was, to your question, when did we know that it was going to be a, a hit? It was definitely within minutes of, of the first broadcast. But you had to be a little, when it, when it first started, you had to be, were you a little bit like holding your breath? You didn't I was. quite know what it was. So, so I will tell you, I don't think I've ever said this publicly, but I was at a, uh, I was at a screening for a uh, episode one of a docu-series that we did on the New York Mets called Once Upon a Time in Queens. Sure, sure. And so I was sitting in the audience at this screening when it aired for the first time. And, you know, it was hard because I'm, I want to be really invested in this, and it's a brilliant docu-series. But I'm checking my phone for feedback from, from, from friends and family. And by the way, I come from a, a, a hardcore sports family. <laughs> My sister is actually the general counsel of Major League Baseball. So we, we grew up in, 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 a, in a house where sports was always on. So I get hardcore, like, authentic feedback from my family. And, and so I, w- I was checking, and I knew within 10 minutes uh, that, that we were on to something. That's, it, as sports fans, again, it was just such a – it became such a fun – and it was something that you could watch the regular game and flip or, and, and then catch up with the – whole Manning cast. Let me ask you. So, so let, let me just on that. Let me, let me, that is what our data is showing mm-hmm. that, you know, because folks, folks have heard all of the press on Peyton and Eli, but w- really what we're seeing is that it's rising tide. Most of the people who are watching ESPN two with Peyton and Eli are flipping back and forth, right? They're watching some of the primary booth and they're going back to Peyton and Eli. And that's fantastic for us. We actually pool the rating. When we report out the rating, it's, it's one rating. Mm-hmm. Our sales team is selling, you know, one, one experience across ESPN1 and ESPN2. Mm-hmm. Curious, when you, when you were going forward with the Manning cast, is that something, did you have to get the NFL's blessing for that? To use that? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gotcha. For all that money you pay them, they still... <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't know. Here, here's what I'd say in, in, in all honesty. I don't know contractually if we needed to, but we have a fantastic relationship with our league partners, and we wouldn't, we wouldn't do anything like that without making sure that, that they're on board. Because that's not, that's not a long-term strategy, to just look at the contract and say, well, we can do this. By the way, maybe the contract uh, did require their approval. I don't know. But, yeah, I spoke to, you know, Roger and the senior executives at, at the NFL, and they love the idea. Mm-hmm. Any, can you give us any hints about what, what we'll see for the second round of it this coming year? Just more of the same. I mean, look, the the technology will continue to try to improve. Some people have noticed the fact that, you know, you have folks that there's a delay. So sometimes they're talking over each other because of the delay. <laughs> Actually, when I've pressure tested that and talked to the younger audience, they, they don't mind that. That was because part of its charm. Exactly. Two of them talking over each other. Exactly. And, and, and the part of the authenticity of the whole experience. But, you know, we're looking at the, the, the number of guests, because Peyton and Eli, they're, they're so magical together. Again, the chemistry, how many guests do we really need? We will continue to have guests, but we're looking at the number of guests. But the producers um, on the Omaha, Omaha side, Jamie Horowitz is fantastic. Peyton's company, yeah. Peyton's company, exactly. And then on our side, Stephanie Julie and Lee Fitting, like they're, they're all over. This is a huge priority. Now, all eyes are on this. And by the way, it's not just... It's not just Monday night with Peyton and Eli. We now are doing it with Major League Baseball with Michael Kay and Alex Rodriguez, which is also a hit for us. Mm-hmm. Will Peyton and Eli be together this season, this past season? I nope. believe they were remote. Nope. I mean, times. look, could, could we have an episode or two where they are together? I suppose, but that's not the plan. We'll take a quick time out here and be back in a flash with more from ESPN leader Jimmy Patero. 
My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hey, everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Here's a clip from an upcoming episode featuring the weekly home checks, Keyshawn Lane, that you won't want to miss. A common mistake that a lot of people do, they use fabric softener when it's not so great for your clothes. Should we never be using fabric softener? No, you should not ever be using fabric softener. It leaves a deposit on our clothes, which is also left in the machine. And it also makes the clothes highly flammable. Wait, what? (laughs) Yes. What you want to do instead is just use a quarter cup of vinegar. And that'll make them softer? That'll make them softer. And if you wanted some kind of scent, you can use essential oils. Wow, wow, wow. Catch new episodes of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult every other Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. And we're back with more from the guy in charge of the guys who have all the fun, ESPN chairman Jimmy Patero. Let's look inward a little bit and talk about, I know culture is important to you. You took a, you took the reins of ESPN in 2018, which I think would, you know, would fairly be described. It was a tough time for the company. Your predecessor had had a very public struggle with a very, very difficult disease that, that is permeating all of our society, had to, had to address that in a very public way. And so you came in at a time when the company was going through a very unprecedented situation. And by the way, there's a lot going on in the media business right now, a lot of transition. Talk about what it, you know, what, what it was that, that, that got you there, you think, in terms of the, that, that, uh, you know, excuse me, that what got you there in terms of getting the job at Disney, you were at the time you'd been running um, consumer products. And also just talk about the kind of culture that you've been trying to build there. I had the uh, good fortune of sitting around the Disney leadership table for seven years before I got the job at ESPN. And then before that, I competed against ESPN. I I was over at Yahoo Sports, and we woke up every day and said, how do we beat ESPN? Uh, And that was in part because ESPN was leading in terms of digital, but also in part because I knew a lot of the folks at ESPN and I admired the culture. You used the word culture before. I really admired it. Uh, and what I saw on the outside looking in is a culture of um, hard work and a culture of not really 
uh, focusing on any one individual. My whole life has been team sports, and I, I love team sports, and I try to bring that spirit and that environment to my job every day. And I saw that at ESPN where I almost never heard anyone use the word my. It was always our or we. And there's no such thing as my team or my P&L. It was more of like, we're all in this together. Let's have each other's backs. And that was a, an environment that I tried to replicate at Yahoo. And then when I got to Disney, same thing. I was first hired on the Disney interactive side. And then, yes, we merged interactive with consumer products. And I had, I had the good fortune of, for years, first couple of years, sitting right next to George Bodenheimer at Bob Iger's senior staff meeting. Long time head of, head of ESPN. Yep. And then uh, when George stepped down... I sat next to John Skipper mm -hmm. for many years. The point that I'm making is that I had a foundation. I, I competed against ESPN, and then I uh, was partnered with ESPN as a Walt Disney Company executive. So when I, when I got this job, I was, uh, I don't want to say I was ready to go, but I had, a, I had a foundation to build off of. And yes, the culture at this place, I take zero credit for the culture at ESPN, but that culture continues to exist today, which is, you know, work ethic, treating people with respect. I have a poster in my office and it says, work hard and be nice to people. And I don't, you know, obviously you need some kind of basic talent, but putting that aside, it's you work hard and, and, and be nice to people. I think if you can check those two boxes, you're going to do fine at ESPN. You're not going to go wrong, that's for sure. Yes. Is it true that in your first meeting or one of your first meetings with Bob Iger, you said in 2010, 2009, uh, 2009 2010, you said, I'd really like to run ESPN? So I, when I was, at, I was very happy at Yahoo. I had no plans on leaving. I had a great job, ton of variety, working with great people. And then, yes, I got a call asking me if I'd, if I'd be interested in, in leaving. Uh, I said no. Uh, then they called back and they said, well, will you, will you meet with Bob? I said yes. And, and we, we spent some time together. And, uh, yeah, he... I can't remember if, if, if he brought it up. He obviously knew my background of Yahoo Sports. By the way, I left this out, but we did get to a point where Yahoo Sports was beating ESPN. So, you know, when I sat down with Bob, we did talk about that. That was a component of the conversation. Uh, but yes, we, whether he raised it or I, I raised it, the idea was at some point I would, I would move over to the ESPN side. And then seven years later, it, it, it happened. That's a good example of visualizing what you want to happen. Yeah. Um, let's talk about, you know, in some ways, when I watch ESPN now, I'm always seeing the, the pitch for the Disney bundle, ESPN Plus, Disney, Disney Plus, Hulu. In some ways, ESPN is integrated into Disney more than it ever has been before. What has ESPN Plus and, the, and being part of this sort of newly forming bundle, what has that done for your business? Well, first off, again, bringing this back to the first point, about reaching a younger audience. ESPN Plus is obviously a huge component of that. It's a younger audience than, than what we see on television. And it's working. ESPN is working. This idea of running parallel paths where we're continuing to invest in a linear television business that, by the way, has been really, really good to us and continues to be really, really good to us and really profitable, continuing to acquire rights and invest in that platform and at the same time, acquire rights and invest in a direct-to-consumer platform, ESPN+. Plus. It's, it's working. We, we, when we acquire rights, we've been on a tear for the past two years during the pandemic of acquiring rights. And we've acquired rights for every deal that we've done has a linear component and a direct-to-consumer ESPN Plus component. And so fast forward to today or fast forward to the 
last earnings call that we did, we announced 22.3 million subscribers mm -hmm. for ESPN. That was drastically ahead of plan for us. So we couldn't be more pleased with how the product is going for us. The, the technology is, is sound, it's stable, it's not crashing. The user experience is positive. Obviously, we can always get better, but we take a lot of pride in, in the user experience. And, you know, we're, we're, we're excited. By the way, the foundation is now built. So I'm assuming that, that one of your questions will be, I'm just going to get ahead of this, flagship, our flagship <laughs> channel, when is it going to be uh, taken <laughs> direct to consumer? Right here. But actually, before that, I want to ask you, I do want your answer to that, but I also, does linear, I mean, I think the answer to this is yes, but where does linear ESPN plateau? Is it 50 million homes? Is it yeah. 40 million homes? In, I, terms, look, in terms of old school people paying for cable that get East. I, I don't know. I, I, hate, I hate to not answer your question. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know. Uh, what I will tell you is that as I sit here right now, that business is still incredibly valuable. Again, serve the sports fan anytime, anywhere. I know a ton of people that still want ESPN in that traditional ecosystem. So if and when the time comes that we make ESPN flagship available direct to consumer, meaning a la carte, meaning you can just go out and buy only ESPN, if and when that point comes, we will continue to be present in the traditional ecosystem so that if you want to buy it through Comcast or DirecTV, you will be able to. I think there's, there's this uh, perception in the industry that there's going to come a point in time where we flip the switch and just port it over. That's not, that's not the plan. Well, it seems like, you know, when you say ESPN2, ESPN, they're more porous than ever before. I, even on the linear side, I think of, I, w I wasn't thinking that I was flipping to ESPN2 so much as to watch the Manning cast as I was just flipping to that other channel, it, yeah. the, the larger ESPN ecosystem. All right, time is short, and I am going to do something I'm just going to take advantage of here with apologies to Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon. We're going to try to do a little PTI okay, to wrap no problem. things up. Okay. They will be flattered to hear that we did this. Oh, my God. I, I do not miss it. They make me laugh. They are so fun. I just love that. I'll tell them you said so. That They're is, great. That to me is that ESPN rye humor in a nutshell. By the way, that, that's part of the foundation of ESPN, that show. And the ratings continue to, to rise. I wish I had brought a bell if yeah. I had thought about it. Okay, so yeah. as we sit here in Beverly Hills... Big Ten, Pac-12, UCLA, USC. What's going on? Yeah, look, it, 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 it's an incredibly complicated time. Uh, the good news for us is that we have a great position in college football um, or college sports in general, a huge part of our DNA at, at ESPN. I think most people think about us uh, through the lens of professional sports, but college sports is, is you know, in part how we define ourselves. Uh, we just closed a deal with the SEC, not just about a year ago, maybe a little more than that, where we acquired um, 15 additional games, the first pick every, every Saturday. That kicks in in 2024. We have a great relationship with the ACC. We have exclusivity there. Um, we have exclusivity with the AAC. Anyway, we have, we have a really good portfolio of rights. In terms of where things are going to settle in the college landscape, I don't, again, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't have an answer. I will tell you, we don't engage in those conversations. We do not engage in those conversations. Schools leaving a conference, going to another conference, that's not what we do. What we do, what I do, is say to a conference commissioner, when you have clarity, when you are ready to discuss you know, the makeup of your conference and, and a partnership with ESPN, 
we're ready. And it's geographical boundaries. All right. Well, but, but again, that's up to them. That's up, that's up to them. Once they have the clarity, we will sit down with them and engage on, in, in a discussion on rights. Gotcha. All right. Ding. What happens, with the NB- what happens with the NBA in two years? The rights are up. So we have three seasons left. Uh, but, but you're right in that probably, you know, two years from now, you really get into it. Uh, huge part of ESPN. The NBA. Not, not, but by the way, in, in terms of the earlier point, ABC has the final. So it's not just ESPN, it's right. ABC as well. Um, very, very important. Uh, we, we take a lot of pride in, in the past season in terms of our studio programming. NBA Today is fantastic. NBA Countdown. Our ratings were up double-digit percentages for the playoffs and the finals. Um, this is an important property for, for ESPN and ABC. We want to keep it going here. We, we want to extend with the league. I'll, I'll put that out there without any hesitation. All right. Ding. Last one. How much do you think that content personalization for people crafting their own sports schedules, yeah. how much is that important to ESPN's future? So, look, when we, we, we talked before about flagship ESPN and when is that going to uh, be uh, presented direct to consumer. As a component of that, it's, we, we have to ask ourselves, what's that next-gen sports experience? Which it's, it's, it's not just taking our channel and making it available direct. It's what's the experience around that? Can you tap on a player and get stats around that? Matthew Stafford's you know, dropping back. Can you tap on him and see his stats for the game? Can you uh, tap on Matthew Stafford and buy his jersey? Can you tap on somewhere in the screen and place a bet within the game. Those are the kinds of things that we're thinking about in terms of the next-gen ESPN sports experience. Great. Well, we're going to have to come back because we could do a whole half an hour about sports betting. But, Jimmy, thank you so much for your time and for being game. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening. Be sure to leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. We love to hear from listeners. Please go to Variety.com to sign up for the free Strictly Business newsletter. And don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> Ooh. 
That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know that's right. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B.